everyone, and welcome to this conversation presented by White House Custom Color. I'm Jed Toffer. Thanks for listening. You know, my wife Vicki and I have owned and operated our photography studio, V Gallery, for 20 years now. White House has been our lab for the last 16 of those years, and we could not be happier. White House is a family-run business, just like ours. If you haven't already, check them out at whcc.com. And if you want to drop me a line, feel free to email me at jed at whcc.com. Matthew the body Kemet Mueller cracks me up and scares me to death at the same time, all the time. He scares me because I never have any idea what he's going to say or do at any given moment. That's also why he cracks me up. So we've been talking about doing a podcast for a few years. We finally made it happen. You'll find, if you didn't already know, that Matthew is hilarious and unpredictable. But you'll also discover, if you didn't already know, that he has a great mind for business. Now everyone has their own business model. Matthew has developed a system in the world of event photography that essentially serves as a template. And now that his template exists, it's just a matter of executing his system on each shoot. As you listen, consider how you might be able to tweak the systems that exist within your model. You might find that even the smallest of improvements can make a big difference. This is a, this is actually a relevant conversation, I think, for all business owners, and and I and I mean in the photography industry specifically because we're always talking about, oh, do you want to be more volume based and your brand looks like this, or do you want to be more boutique based and then your brand looks like this, and then depending on which route you choose, your pricing structure looks a certain way, your level of pricing, your experience that you offer your clients. Uh, looks a certain way. I mean, I didn't plan on any of this, but it's. I think it's super intriguing, all things considered. Well, I think that's well. I think that's true. But don't you think like? So the first time I went to WPPI ever in my whole entire life was um, February two thousand and seven, and I've been to every single one since. Uh-huh. And when I went to to WPPI in two thousand and seven, it was Bally's Paris, mm-hmm. and I was like. And I'd been a professional photographer for like three years. And I was like, man, I'm going to be a destination wedding photographer. Okay. <laughs> you can't even look. <laughs> I'm um, saying I remember those days. I started in 2006 and I haven't missed one yet either. So I, I remember that. And I remember, I remember the destin- destination wedding photographer hoopla and hype that occurred oh, yeah. during during those years like those guys were the bomb yeah but mm-hmm. i was like that'd be great be great job sure. i'd love it sure. travel the world shoot right. weddings yeah super but it was so not me <laughs> it was so not like what my mind is and mm-hmm. and what it lends itself to and it was it was um something i wanted but it wasn't until I, I think that um, self-identity is so important. And I think most people lack that. And it's figuring out where you fit in with your skill set, what clicks in and makes the most sense. So you figured that you figured through that process, you discovered more who you really were and therefore what type of photographic brand and business best suited you. Yeah, absolutely. Because my, my whole gig 
like I was like, man, I'm going to do this. And I actually shoot a ton of weddings. I used to shoot a ton of weddings. And then all of a sudden we kind of, because my dad had the business and we dabbled in volume and it wasn't really our thing. It was just something we, we kind of did. And then we started playing and getting a couple more accounts and a couple bigger accounts and a couple bigger accounts. And I was, I was like, shoot, I'm actually really good at this. I'm actually really good at figuring out the flow, figuring out how we can do this efficiently, figuring out how we can process through this work in a way that it's really profitable. And it wasn't the cheesy volume pictures that were really, it wasn't a, a speed light on a, on a camera and that was our lighting. It, right. we, we evolved it to something that really was what I would consider true professional photography. Um, and then I was like, that made sense. And then it became like the obsession of perfecting it. So you discovered kind of what you were good at after what it was that you thought you wanted and then direct exactly. and directed your career then more down those lines more, more because you know, the, yeah, the and for you, the destination photographer thing seemed extremely glamorous and, but you realized fairly quickly that that's not who you are. Yeah. And then you were and, like, you and were it's like, like the same thing. Like I can go out and shoot free throws all day long and never <laughs> play in the NBA. <laughs> I, can, I can want that. I you, can want that. Even if you actually got to the point where you were making lots of free throws. <laughs> I'm still not going to get drafted no. into the NBA. No, uh, so, no, you, you missed uh, that. You missed that window. I think. Yeah, probably, probably, <laughs> probably never say never. Probably. I'm excited to hear what you have to say about volume photography, because I know that you've, I know that you've made it into something that's an extremely viable living for you and, and your family. And so I, I am intrigued by that despite, <laughs> despite all the different rabbit trails that we could go on right now. Um, well, let me give you a little bit of, um, I'll give you the whole rundown on the massive, the milestones that I would say we, that, that got us to where we are with volume. Photography. I like it. I like it. So the, the studio that we, uh, that we run. I'm second generation. My dad started it in 72. And when my dad was running it, the main focus of this business was weddings, 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 weddings. So he would have, you know, five to seven contract employees um, on staff. And we would go out on a weekend and we would shoot 10 weddings on a weekend. It'd be crazy. And so the first year that I took over ownership of the business, in 2009, I personally shot 36 weddings. So not the studio, just me. Mm -hmm. And I kind of hated it. It was the first year that I was married. And um, I really wasn't a good husband. Like, for lack of a better way to, to explain it, I was gone. I was working right. every Friday and Saturday night in right. wedding season. And I'd come home on Sunday and I'd be a big pile of crap. And my wife has a grown up job. And so I miss her all weekend. Right. And I wasn't, I was, it wasn't good. Right. And at this point we had always kind of done, we'd done high school sports teams and a couple of really small leagues. And when I say small leagues, I mean like 10, 12 team leagues, not big things, but they were good business, but we did them. 
And then, but our big stuff for sports was like a local high school football team, which is great business, but it wasn't like we weren't a volume sports league. Sure. Or sports photography studio. Business, right. So I ended up uh, asking and asking and asking and asking and asking the soccer league in our parking lot for years if we could do their pictures <laughs> for years until they finally felt bad. I, I, I always kind of equate it to like the fat kid on American Idol who tries out for like 10 years and then they're like, oh, give the kid a ticket to Hollywood. So he You're stops going to Hollywood. <laughs> just, if, we, if we let him go once, then we'll see if he can do it and then we'll be done, right? And then it's over. We, so I, I just got, had yeah. this big conversation with my kids uh, two nights ago about not using pity as a weapon. Ooh, that's a big Ooh. it's it's a big thing around here. That's a whole other thing, but that's essentially what you were doing. You were trying to get them to feel bad enough for you, or at least maybe get to the point where they were so annoyed that they realized you were Andy Dufresne in the Shawshank Redemption when he kept writing <laughs> letters asking for the library. I, yes, that's a, that's a good example of it. I believe, um, I believe that, um, I think that so much of business is always that people are going to forget. I'm still going back. (laughs) I'm right to a week. That's what he said. That's what he did. And he got even more. Okay. I think it's great. What's funny is Joel Grimes, essentially, I talked to Joel Grimes a few months ago. He essentially said the same thing. Like, you want to be that annoying person because when your potential client finds themselves in a situation where they need somebody, who's going to be the one they call? The first person that comes to their mind, and it's going to be that dude in the parking lot that asked us over and over and over and offered his services. What's his name? That's Matthew. Yeah, let's let's call him up, right? Yep. yep. And then your, then your foot's in the door. And then you have a chance to blow their minds. Well, what ended up happening was they had had a relationship with a longtime provider mm-hmm. and a board member worked for a very large national company. And when the board member that worked for that national company um, was able <laughs> to get them to switch to them, yeah. that went horrible. Yeah. And they said, well, we'll give them a shot before we go back. Right. And it's been like, 10 years. They don't leave. Once we get them, they're they're here. Right. And so that was my first big volume job. It's about 140 teams. Um, that's big. So it takes, takes a couple of days and it it takes, uh, it took more than, than it does now, but that was our start. Yeah. Then I started, then we picked up, um, a baseball league that merged was 180 teams. Then the soccer league branched out and did a competitive co-op with another association. We added another 200 teams. Then we started adding softball and lacrosse. And now all of a sudden my pre-COVID April and May uh, was right around 800 little league teams. And how much of that was as a result of us of, of the snowball effect? How much of it was because of that initial getting your foot in the door, right? Like one thing essentially built 
on the other. Well, don't you think, don't you think the hardest thing, um, and like, do you, you know where they say you can see the worst tattoos you'll ever see in your whole entire life? Right on the thigh of a tattoo artist. You know why? It's a big chunk of real estate to try. <laughs> and it's really hard to get anyone to give you a shot at getting a tattoo if you can't show the work. <laughs> so, <laughs> you never heard that before? <laughs> That's the worst tattoos you'll ever see because you just sit there and you draw on your leg with your tattoo gun. That's what you do when you're trying to learn how to tattoo. Um, <laughs> okay. okay. I love it. I'm going to try it. I can't wait to I try think, it. <laughs> I think with photography, I think with, with anything, um, so much of it is you can have the desire, mm -hmm. you can have the skill set, but you always are, you're, you're going to find people reluctant to be the first mm -hmm. and you need one, mm -hmm. you need one. And then once you have one and you go like the, the whole conversation changes, yeah. which this is an, this is an amazing segue. So then we're, we're killing it in sports. We're growing like crazy in sports and I wanted to do schools. I want to do yearbooks and we've never done them before. And I decided I wanted to do them. And uh, so we approached the school and I put in an RFP and it was terrible. It was terrible. My RFP was the most ridiculously bad thing. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, it was like it was pathetic. I have one copy. I have one copy of it that I keep in my office. Um, so if I'm ever feeling really prideful, I sit down and I read this and I was like, remember when you thought this was good? And <laughs> And it grounds me uh, back to to reality. Because to yeah, yeah. we're always growing, we're always changing. Yeah. So I put in a bid for a school and I lost. And then I tried again in three years and I lost. And I realized um, that I needed one. So then I started approaching a lot of charter schools, a lot of everybody, just anyone who would, who would answer the phone. Starting started. smaller? Yep, yep. S started calling. Anyone who talked to me and I ended up booking a school in Minneapolis that was a, uh, a very small charter school it was an immersion school and they had uh, 79 kids total. The whole school, 79 right. kids, the whole thing. And I was like, well, this is our, this is our one. And so we went in and we killed it. Yeah. Did an amazing job on those 79 portraits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Right. Right. I believe uh, you. But then I took that and I grew it into a charter school that was 1400 kids the next year. I took how, that. How do you do that though? But t just for a second, like what does yeah. that actually look like? How do you get to that, to getting into that school? I mean, I know you got the one and it was 79 kids. And then the next year you had yep. one with 1400. Like what, what really happens in between? So you speak what you seek. And I think that um, if you want to be successful in the world, you tell people what you can do for them yeah. all the time. And my passion and my goal for years was to grow into a school photographer. I told everybody, 
everywhere I went that this is what we're doing. This is what we're working for. The language that we use is always, I think that what you speak out into the world will, will come back to you. And eventually I said it to a guy I used, when I was in college, I worked as a bouncer at a bar. And the guy I used to bounce for says, you know, I know this guy who is the director of a charter school. I can set you up with, a, with an introduction. So and that was I it. went in, I had a meeting with this guy and take it one step further. I didn't go in empty handed. Hey, we're doing schools. We're small. We're improving. We can do your school. Here's what we've done. Yep. You had something that, that you could school, use for a portfolio, right? Exactly. That school doubled it. The next year, I got another duplicate charter school plus a small community ed. Yeah. So we doubled again. Yeah. And so every year we've been doing this now, um, we've dealt, we've more than hundred percent added more than hundred percent every single year. And this past year, I just landed, um, the ninth largest school district in our state. So now we landed uh, 13,000 kids off of one account. Wow. We're going to be doing 23,000 kids next year. And, um, and I swear to God, I'm going to double it again. <laughs> you're, it you're again. speaking it into existence again well but but all of this stuff with all of these accounts and all these people that we're meeting with um we just keep telling everyone you know we're trying to grow we're trying to develop um a bigger uh, a bigger holding in this market we want to be the guy we want to be the guy and if you know anyone and you can introduce me to someone i'd really appreciate it is there a size, you know, work. regarding scalability or regarding your scale, is there a size that's too big for your business to grow? Or, or do you have a, do you have a goal where you're like, I got to hit this and then I want to, I'm just asking. My goal has always been to hit 50,000. I thought 50,000 seemed like an unachievable number when, before I did a school, I was like, man, if I did 50,000, that's, can't imagine that. Oh. I think we're going to hit it in two years, like two years from now, for sure. We'll be doing 50,000 in the next two years. So now I'm like, why not go for six, six figures? Why not just, why not just add an extra? But do you have a workflow? And I mean, you have to have a workflow in place that's scalable though. Like, is that part of your, that's part of your infrastructure, right? And you have to have that in order for it, in order for you to be able to manage the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. But the big thing is, is like volume photography is always like you figure out the process and then it's rinse, wash, repeat, rinse, wash, repeat. And if you figure out the right process, I don't, um, do you remember Kirk Vauclain? I know Kirk Vauclain. Yes. Uh, like blast from the past used to be the pro forum was the biggest deal. Kirk Vauclain was one of the nicest guys when I started being, uh, when I started getting into professional photography. Louisiana. Yep. Yep. And he took me down to his studio and I worked with him and of all the photographers I've ever met, um, his workflow is as close to perfect as I've ever seen. And, um, working with Kirk always kind of exposed my, my, my thought process is always like, I saw a guy who had his work dialed in mm. so perfectly for what he did that we've always it, completely different worlds. But I've always tried to duplicate that where mm -hmm. we don't we don't waste time with stuff we don't need to do. We don't have 
extra steps. And then the other things that we do, I can grab one if you want to see it. We do, um, we just try to make it as simple as possible. So hold on, hold on. You might need to edit a pause. It's gonna be literally 10 seconds. Hold on. We can play some music here. So what we do to duplicate it, because everything's based on scalability, right? And I want everything to look the same every single time I go to do a shoot. So I would go and I would do high school sports shoots. And I would come back and look at my images and I would say, man, the fall photos look great. The winter photos look great. The spring photos look great. But the lighting's different on all of them. Mm. I don't like that. Mm -hmm. And so belittle tweets, things I didn't like. So I was like, how could I make sure that my lighting is always going to be the same? Well, we call these magic carpets. So I made a product for my studio. It's a giant 10 foot by 36 inch. Is that vinyl? Vinyl banner. Yeah. Yep. 13 ounce vinyl. That literally says, this is where your camera goes. These are the settings. This is where your light goes. Depending on the light modifier, these are the power settings. <laughs> this is where the kids feet go. <laughs> so, and so that's that's where everybody that just goes on the ground and then everything's based on that. Yeah, I we see. We tape two feet. everything down to the ground. At, what was that? I see the two feet. Yeah, yeah. It's so the kids are always the same distance from the camera. The power is always the same. And now we go and we shoot these photos and they look the same year after year. So now we're creating these legacy pieces where we keep these kids photos for four years and you can have the same picture, mm. the same kid, freshman, uh, sophomore, junior, senior year with the same lighting, with Love the it. same background. That's great. And it's this awesome, awesome, awesome thing. So going back to it, how do you do it? It's all in systems, which is, the weird thing that my mind lends itself to is how do we make this so systematic that anyone can do it? And when we bring in people to help out, like if we're staffing up and we're doing a big shoot, you've never shot with me. I could give you that and you could set it up on your own. Right. Right. And the, and the core, the, the core goal, correct me if I'm wrong, is efficiency. Right? Mm -hmm. Isn't that what you're? Isn't that really what you're constantly striving for? Is the most efficient way to do things? Yeah, we're only making money when we're taking pictures or selling them. Right. Setting up, we aren't making any money. Right. <laughs> um, if we aren't, if we aren't working up. We are. If, we, if we're setting up, we're tearing down, we're hanging out. We're not making any money. Hmm. Um, and so, if I can build something like that, that reduces the skill and the subjectivity right. of setup. Right. So now there is a right way to do it. It's not just set up and give me a good picture. It's set up this way. Um, it, it made it, it makes scaling um, tremendously easy. What about sales then? Mm, that's a good question. Um, so sales um, is something that if you have ever heard me speak on volume, from like four or five years ago, I'm completely flipping the script. Oh. Um, so a few years ago when we first started this, I was always a firm believer 
in prepaid envelopes that the only way you could consume our photography was to buy it. That was it. There were no online viewings, no online, um, no previews, no proofs, no nothing. And the reason why I always thought that was the right way was I thought that if we took away, if I put it online, I took away the immediate need for you to buy. And so if the only way you can see, get your pictures, buy it, then you have to buy it. You have to buy it a picture day because that's, that's your opportunity. Right. Now, if I put them online, all I'm doing is in my mind was I'm pushing out the length of time it takes for me to get my money yeah. and I'm making it harder for you to get off the couch and get your wallet. <laughs> and I'm taking away all the, the necessity. Right. Well, this past year we decided to um, pilot test with some of our schools online viewing. And what we did with it, that was kind of an interesting attempt um, was we did online viewing, but we included multiple poses for yearbook photos. Um, so it became a situation where it used to always be like yearbook photography has traditionally been you, you turn in your money, you get your picture, the picture comes to you, you look at it, you say, I accept or reject this one. If you reject it, you give it back to me. I then have to shred this product, take a new one and deliver a new product and hope that you like that one. Right. Right. Okay. Now what we do is we go and we take four or five pictures. We put them on a gallery, password protected gallery. Parents can pick their favorite picture. My retake rate went way down. Guess what else they can do? Buy more than one. Right. More than one pose. More than one pose. Right. So then what we did was we bundled our digitals. So you could buy all of them for $75 sold like crazy. Yeah. But how does that, how does that, you know, how does that give them an incentive to essentially get off the couch with their wallet? Like how does that connect? Yeah. So the thing that's changed, I think a lot with online sales, specifically with e-commerce and volume photography, there's a bunch of different providers. Um, Image Quicks, GotPhoto, um, they all are are really solid platforms. Um, We're using GotPhoto right now. And so, how it works is we acquire the parents' uh, email addresses, and as soon as we get the email addresses, it creates a password-protected individual gallery, which is really important so that you can't order anyone else's kids' pictures. You can't see anyone else's kids' pictures. Right, right. And then it uh, starts a a drip campaign. So it'll email you and say, hey, Jed, uh, we, we got pictures of your children. Go check them out. And then it'll kind of give you a nudge. Here's your password. And then if you don't order, it sends you another one in two weeks. Okay. And if you don't order, it sends you one more. And then you can set up obviously the windows for whatever you want. And then when we did it for the first time ever, we did a new school and I thought we should do about $7,000 in revenue off of this school. I was like, it should be like seven, seven grand. Well, we went in and we were two weeks into this campaign on our first e-commerce thing. And I pulled the numbers and I was like $2,200. And I was like, oh my God, we're getting murdered right now. Like, this is like horrible, horrible. (laughs) Why would we ever do this again? This is exactly what I was afraid of. Right. Then we waited until the last email that went out that said, your job's getting archived tomorrow. It's your last chance to buy. We did $7,200 in revenue. And so I came up 
right about where we should have been, what I projected we were at, but my consumer experience was better. And so I think that parents enjoyed being able to see the images, yeah. enjoyed that, that, that level of freedom. Uh, and our average orders went up like crazy. Our participation went down, but it leveled out. The, the income brought in. Right. And so what, what I also think is every time you change a new process and you say, I know we've always done it this way, we're doing it this way now, it yeah. takes a little bit of time for everyone to get on. So I suspect next year we're going to go higher and right. higher because it just becomes the way we do things. Right, right. Interesting. Well, I, conceptually, it's interesting that you have that call to action at the very end, right? That kind of incentivizes them to actually do something about it or their, or their images are archived tomorrow, right? Yep, yep. Right. And there's a couple of things that we, because um, we're still learning the e-commerce side. I'm mm -hmm. far from an expert on it. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's definitely some ways to incentivize it at the front end uh, where you, you know, mark it up 10%, discount it 10%, include free shipping. There's a bunch of things that we could do that we didn't do because we were like, we didn't know. We never tried it. Right. And after going through and doing it, I realized that my preconceived notion that it can't be done as well wasn't right. Right. And, and I still, uh, I, I still don't, we don't have it perfect, but man, it's, I think going to be a thing in this world where you're going to have to offer it. It's, it's, you aren't going to be able to wait it out forever. Right. How, what do you say to somebody that's on the fence? That's, what do you say to somebody that's like, ah, I want to try, I want to try this volume photography thing. It's, you know, because lots of people are having to switch gears for various reasons. Right. And yep. lots of people are going to have to make some pivots here and there. What do you say to somebody that's on the fence right now? Ah, I know a great creative live you can go watch. <laughs> nice. Nice. That was, that was <laughs> subtle. No, no, no. Um, honestly, I think that there's, if I was going, if I was on the fence and I thought I was going to learn volume photography, there's a bunch of things you're going to have to learn. Um, one, you're going to have to figure out who your lab is and you're going to talk to them about what steps they would recommend you take to have a solid workflow. Everybody that you, whoever you partner with is going to have a solution that's for you. So I would say your first call is call your lab and say, how do I do this? Pick up the phone and call your, your White House rep and say, I want to do sports. What are the steps? What do I need to know? Mm -hmm. um, because it would really, really, really suck if you just go into it not knowing yeah. and then you get hung up on some stuff that's a back-end work that's going to kill you. So get prepared as much as you can beforehand. Don't yeah, just jump in. Would, yeah, and then, and then uh, I would say the most important thing is the thing we've learned whenever we take on a new account is we overstaff by like a ridiculous amount the first year we go into it. Mm. Um. Because no matter what, especially if you're new to it, um, be prepared for stuff to go wrong. Right. Obviously, have backup equipment. Have right. more people than you need to do the job. Right. Have all the samples and everything. Because there's going to be a, a glitch. And um, I always say it's not really like you're going to mess up. 100% you're going to mess up uh, when you're, whenever you do any job. I mean, no one's perfect. Um, sure. But it's how you're able to recover from that misstep, how quickly you can recover, uh, I think I think speaks volumes about your business and your integrity. Sure. No, that makes a lot of sense. Be prepared and, 
especially on the on the I like overstaffing. Like I don't I think a lot of people would be worried about about that and think that maybe there's more to manage and you know that obviously it's going to affect their bottom line. But especially at the beginning, you got to go in ready for anything. Yeah, it definitely can like it, when I look at my expenses, labor's definitely a high one for us. Um but when we overstaff and we still overstaff, even on the shoots that we have dialed in, uh, I find that overstaffing also gives my employees a much more relaxed day. Yeah. And which allows us to have a lot of repeat. Uh, we have good, pretty good retention with our contract guys. Right. And so by bringing them always back, it cuts back on my uh, educating the new guys what we do. I don't have to train everyone. So like we have the same guys that come and, and do these jobs for us for five, six years. And it's the greatest thing in the world because we just go, okay, have at it. Yeah, and turn we them loose. Really well. Right. And then they make their money. We go out for beer and burgers afterwards. It's a pretty good day. That's a nice perk. <laughs> Where can people find you? Where can people find Matthew the Body, Kemet Mueller, on the uh, internet? Yeah. Uh, I got a pretty good Facebook group going. So it's School and Sports Photography, cranking the volume to 11. Mm-hmm. Uh, you should come and join that. Uh, there are two questions. If you don't answer them, you won't get let in. Uh, and they're like really easy. And it's just like, I promise to act like an adult, even if I disagree with someone in this group. Um, I'm surprised at how many people I have to not let in for skipping that question. For real? Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 like, and then we ask if you work for a big national provider because we don't let in the big guys. Right. Um, it's, it's a local photography group for it's, it's small photography shops kind of for us by us. And, um, I think that's where, that's where I'm on for social a lot. As far as conventions go, I'm everywhere, man. I'm at WPPI. Uh, I'm at imaging all the time. I'll be at SPAC, um, Shutterfest. We do all those, but really honestly, like the best way, if somebody's really thinking about trying to do this and they, um, and they have questions, just pick up the phone and call me. Oh, Okay. Yeah, I'm. I'm not going to respond to your Facebook message, but you can call me at work, and if I got a minute, I will take it and walk you through any questions you got. Uh, but if you're you going to have, a, you might have a few of those annoying Andy Dufresnes in your parking lot. <laughs> Be careful what you wish for, man. Uh, no, I um, truthfully I like to help, and um, and generally, like what I find is that if somebody calls, uh, somebody has a question, it's a very specific question. It's really something that's pretty easy for me to, to, to knock out of the park. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, that's actually advice I got from a mutual friend of ours, uh, Kevin Kubota a long time ago. And I said, Kevin, I got like, I got a couple of questions and his response to me was like, I will answer any specific questions you have. Yeah. You don't want to ask people, how do I market? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How do I do volume photography? That I'm not going to have an answer for you. Uh, hey, Matthew, what are my online e-commerce marketing solutions? Oh, yeah. right. here are the companies. Here's the perks. Here's right. what you should look at. Right. Um, Those are good points. Yeah. Uh, I like that. Cool. Hey, dude, thanks for doing this. Hey. It was very I nice of you. Started. I thought there was going to be cue cards or something like. No, dude, we just we just get we just get rolling right away. That's how it goes. <laughs> I appreciate you, Ted. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Um, I Thank appreciate you. you opening up this content um, for the internet. And so I'm grateful for you and what you do. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. Have a great day. You too.